This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Anyway, I want to share today about vision. This uh, message was, uh, it came alive, first of all, um, through a relationship that I have with my pastor, Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok. And if he watches this, I hope he hears and receives the, the truth and understanding of this, what God brought in my life. And the same thing with my daughters. Through two real events in my life, I realized that there were spaces in my life where I had such hope, such expectation, and even to the point where I had such resolve that things were gonna come out and, and really take on a shape that didn't happen. In both occurrences, one with my mentor and one with, and one with my three daughters. And I share that with you because so many of us, um, we struggle in our walk and things that we had hoped for, things that we had desired, dreams that we had, aspirations we had, and all of a sudden and things this just don't materialize or things don't, don't uh, take shape the way we had hoped them to take shape. And so today's message is, is about vision. And we're gonna uh, read some passages to you and then we're going to get into the, the heart of it. I believe that this message is, is for all of our life in all seasons of our life. In fact, if you ever go through premarital counseling with me, this is a message that I will speak to you. You need to write a vision for your relationship. You need to have a pathway for your relationship. Well, we're just getting married. We're making promises together. We need to write it down. Habakkuk says, write the vision down. So I make those who are getting, taking a, a marriage class, write their vision down. And they write their vision down for many aspects. And my wife and I are writing the vision down for even, you know, with, when we are coming into a new space of our life in this next, uh, next couple months, or things are gonna be changing in our walk again. So we're writing a vision down. We're making it clear. And though God has the ability and God's given the latitude to make adjustments to that, but we believe that God is birthing that. The Bible says so many times where people are going there, they cast off restraint, they cast off relational restraint, they cast off vision strength, they cast off giving, they cast off giving in time. They, they look, they're making their life bouncing around reasoning, bouncing around people instead of the word of the Lord and the message of the Lord working inside their heart. God is true. His word is always true. In fact, the Bible says, let man, let maybe man be a liar. In fact, I just had an experience of that just this last week where somebody was gonna sell something to me and it wasn't what they said it is. I literally had, a, I, I drove all the way to Detroit to look at it and turned right around and drove right back without it because this man was, said what it was and it wasn't. So man will do that, but God isn't that person. God is not a man that he would lie to anyway. So all his word is full of truth, and maybe your life is not taken on the shape of that truth, but that journey is to deepen that walk. In fact, I'm learning this about Abraham right now. And I'm just and in the midst of writing a whole new message series on Abraham's journey. 25 years to get trust inside of a man's heart. Not 25 minutes, 
Not 25 minutes of devotion that you have in your life and all of a sudden you cast your frustration on God because maybe your relationship isn't working out the way you want and all of a sudden you have a 25 minute prayer and all of a sudden you think that God's gonna answer all and be all and do all in that moment. That is not what the word of God shows us. God's word says a journey where we entrust and walk with him in that space. And then in that space, there needs to be a vision because what's the first thing that you look at? You literally, in fact, I teach people all the time in flyboarding. And flyboarding, has got the jet pack on your feet. I have, I've yet, in fact, Pastor Mark, where is Pastor Mark? He's one of the only ones that has failed this thing with me, all right? <laughs> all because his passion speaks louder than his teachability. <laughs> and, you know, so the thing is, is what you got to do is I go tell people this. I go, listen, all you need to do is stiffen your legs and look at the horizon. You look down, you fall down. Okay? And so what happens is, and, and I've yet hardly, I mean, I had 26 students I got up all on the same day, like within four or five hours. It's not that difficult a space, but when you get so excited and so passionate and you look at it and think it's gonna be easy, all of a sudden the next thing you know, you're not looking at the horizon, you got your eyes on other things, you're not, you know what, you're not, you're struggling with the instructions, okay? The point is, is that's really what God wants to do. Where are our eyes always supposed to be fixed on? Heaven. The Bible says, fix your eyes on heaven. Fix your eyes on Christ. Yet when I listen to people's conversation and listen to what's going on in their day, rarely do I hear a picture of heaven. Rarely do I hear a picture of what God has in store. Rarely do I, you know, in fact, what most people will tell me is what's right in front of them. We live in a day and age where everybody makes decisions on what is in front of them right in this very hour. And yet God brought up the call the father of faith and literally that journey took him 25 years to be called the father of faith. The father of faith. All right, I'm gonna read some passage to you. And uh, hopefully uh, we got these things up on the screen. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, this is the amplified translation, no revelation of God and his word. The people are unrestrained, but happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I love this word. Here's Habakkuk. He's in a space of frustration. The what he saw or what he thought God was gonna do, read in chapter one. What he thought was gonna materialize wasn't happening. And so he's in this place. He doesn't talk, he doesn't get on Facebook. He doesn't get with all his friends and start complaining. He goes right to God and says, I'm going to talk to you about my complaint, God. And here, and then he knew what God was going to do. God was going to have the last word. And he says, I'm going to sit here and wait until God speaks into my life. How much of our life would be shaped differently in our marriages, with our children, with our finances, with our health, with our schools, with our, with our judicial system, if we would just sit Yes, there are complaints. Yes, there are frustrations in his life. But if we would sit and wait on the Lord for him to speak into our lives. Then the Lord said to me, Habakkuk says, write my answer plainly on tablets 
so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for the future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It seems slow in coming. You ever have that where God seems like he's never early for anything? Okay, it seems slow in coming. Wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And one of the other passages, these are all passages God gave to me this morning for this service. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Father, I just ask that you help by your Holy Spirit to make this message clear, understandable. That it would not just be an inspirational speech made by man, but God, it would literally be a heart-changing message right from you. That our lives would take on your shape because your truth burrows in our innermost being. And Father, that we would guard, guard that truth and that it would fight, Lord, our self nature, that it would fight our sin nature. And yet, Lord, you and your, God, Lord, your Holy Spirit born again nature would rise up in newness of life in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So number one, if you're taking notes, God expects us to put a vision to our relationship. It's an expectation that God has. It's not just something that a business person has. It's not just something a leadership person has. God expects leadership. He expects you to have a vision for your life. I didn't, get, didn't really get to share the, the experience I had. Um, I was on my, with my mentor. And uh, years ago, Pastor Dwayne, who's my mentor, uh, we would meet and have lunch like once a month. And uh, Pastor Dwayne Vanacock from Resurrection Life in Granville. And he'd buy me a book every time I'd go there and he'd buy lunch. And he'd buy lunch and he'd buy me a book and he'd always ask, hey, how are things going? And he wanted to hear things were going great. And, and uh, just because he's, an, he's a man that's encourageable and he's a man of truth and he's a man, he's a warrior. If you've ever seen this man in, in, in reality going into the mountains of, and I've been with this man fighting demons, literal demons in cages. I mean, I've, this is the man, if I'm gonna fight the devil, this is the man I want by my side, this man. And he's a man of God, and yet at the same time, there's so much I knew I needed to learn, and I didn't know how to ask the right questions. And so in the space of this time, I think, I mean, I need more than this once a month thing. So my expectation was, is that Pastor Dwayne would read my mind and read my needs, and that he'd spend all his whole life figuring out how to help me. That was my expectation. Now, I didn't verbalize it that way. And I don't even know if I really even knew how those feelings, but my need was so great. And I was casting it on this relationship. And that had, Pastor Wayne had no, absolutely no vision to do that. And so I remember driving home one time and I had kind of had one of those other frustrating moments with Pastor Dwayne, kind of had lunch period and we're dri I'm driving home by myself and I said, God, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this taking shape? I have, my needs are greater than what I'm getting out of this lunch time. And I just, I want to be mentored. I want to, I want to know more. And all of a sudden God was quiet. And then I put on some worship music. You know, I don't know if I had the King Saul nasty demon going on in my head or what, but I put on some worship music. Because worship music stills the soul. Puts things in perspective. Get your eyes on Christ and not your whammy, whammy moments. Amen? 
so I'm put, put some worship music on and all of a sudden I'm getting rid of the whammy um, uh, attitude and all of a sudden God goes, are you ready to listen? I go, yeah. He goes, Pastor Wayne's not the problem, you are. I go, what do you mean? He says, your expectation, your picture of the relationship, you are frustrated. Every time you go to lunch with him, you are frustrating that man of God. I go, I don't get it, God. I mean, this is, I, I mean, wh- did Elisha frustrate Elijah? He says, Elijah picked Elisha. He didn't pick that with you. You're asking for something that he never agreed to give. You are walking in division of the relationship. You are causing the strife. You are the contention point. And this is when God began to teach me, he goes, you need to put definition to the relationship. So from that, from that point on in my life, I have defined every relationship so that I am not the person frustrating it. If my expectations are bigger than somebody else's, that's my problem. Maybe in your marriage today, you have an expectation of their, your spouse that that spouse has no understanding. You say, well, they read the same Bible I do. That doesn't mean they understand it the way you do. And all of a sudden, I was the one frustrated and said, God said, he says, I need to change. He goes, you need to change. So from that moment on, I began to accept Pastor Dwayne for what he wanted to be. He wanted to be a friend. He wanted to be an encouragement. And he has been a wonderful friend and a wonderful mentor and a wonderful encouragement. And I do no longer walk around with hope deferred with a heart sick scenario. Because I'm the one that had to put a different definition. Some of you got a, a wrong definition of what you expect your kids to be. And that God has a place. He says he's trying to take them from faith to faith or step out of darkness. And right away, you're thinking they're going to be in the promised land tomorrow. And all you're doing is projecting that disappointment on them. And they're walking around with this heaviness. And all they are is thinking that you're, they're disappointing you. They're disappointing you. You see, you know what? If that's all you see in me, I might as well disappoint you. Because you need to define that there is a step by step that God has. Aren't you thankful that in a book there are chapters? And in the space of those chapters is leading to a journey. And that's who you are. You are a chapter and verse to your marriage. You are a chapter and verse to the saints that work with you. You are a chapter and verse to the lost that are around you. God has you on a journey. And that definition, people are reading that definition of who Christ is in you. And what's so wonderful is, is when you change in God, they realize that God is alive. That he's not just on a paper. He's not just on a a tablet that God is alive because they're watching the presence of God and the definition of who God is is beginning to evolve in front of them because the changes that God has working inside of you. You need to write a vision for your marriage or write a vision for your life. You need to put definition of where you're at today. Otherwise, you are going to be the person that's disappointment, disappointing. You're going to cast that disappointment on others. You're going to cast that frustration. I am so sorry. And my pastor and I have had this conversation. I was so sorry for the environment that I had created because my expectations weren't his expectations. The Bible says in Amos 3.3, how do two walk together unless they agree? He wasn't in agreement with what I wanted. Number two, if you don't put a vision to your relationship, you will walk in it blind and you will eventually crash. Number three, things we need to have a vision for to avoid the crash. And this is not 
an extensive list. It's just a, just a list. Romance, word is appropriate. Jealousy, I am jealous of my wife. Don't you, guys, don't you look at my wife wrong? <laughs> I have a healthy jealousy for my wife. I don't, not an unhealthy one. Health, pleasure, vacation, toys, clothes, boyfriend, girlfriend, coworkers, every scenario that you face, you should have some form of vision. Other, some will be much more thorough, but it is a defined of who you are, space and life. And as I became an empty nester, it changed. Being a grandpa, it changed. Pastor, not right now, this whole season, I've been spending a lot of time in prayer. I'm even nervous about it. Anytime there's a change, I'm very nervous about it. I'm going, okay, now that I'm, I'm a pastor here and I have an executive pastor and then we have a, a great children's director and we still have our awesome pastor Jenna and we have our John, well, all of that, what, who am I? What am I to this relationship now? God, teach me your ways in this. Who is Pastor Chad? Who is Jamie? Who is Jenna? Who is Jonathan on staff? I don't have all the answers, but God does. I don't have all the steps lined out, but God does. Number four, relationships need vision because they have the power to draw us closer to or away from God. Closer to or away from your family closer to or away from your church, closer to or away from your God-given talents and abilities, your priorities, your definition. You know, you can't blame anybody else other than the decisions that you're in the space of. Number five, we need a vision to break from wrong relationships. If there's a, a space of time where I've tried, I mean, when people call on me for help, I, if I had to give a percentile, the percentile would be probably 75% would be when they, they're in a wrong relationship and they want me to fix it. Fix it. Really what they want me to do is they want me to go fix the other person so the relationship can be healthy. Honestly, if I could fix any relationship, it wouldn't be about whether it's your marriage, whether it be your kid or your work environment, whatever. Uh, if I could fix people, if I could do that, I, you know, and if I could beat people into submission to do it, I would work out every single day. I'd, I would drink protein five times a day and I would get bulkier and bulky and I'd beat everybody into Jesus. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about beating them into your marriage. I'd beat them all into Jesus. But that's not a possibility. That's not a possibility because we have this will and what happens is in every, and I'm a broken record because I've learned this from great leaders. I can't change them, but I can help change you. Are you willing to change? And you know, and so when we get in the office, many of them, they get very discouraged and disappointed because I can remember I was one of them when I went in and I was gonna go in the ministry and I remember I'm going, all right, my, my wife was resistant in that space of time and I thought we're gonna go into this meeting with Pastor Dwayne, one of those moments, and Pastor Dwayne is gonna tell my wife or all the place, spaces where she's wrong. And that is not how that meeting went at all. That was where that pastor told me how many places I was wrong. He says, your number one ministry is not to the church, it's to your wife. And I was failing it miserably. But that was that day. The next day, I recognized truth got in my inner heart and I says, I can make this adjustment. I can find out what a great husband is supposed to be because the word of God is full of it. I can understand submitting one to another. I can understand this and being, you know what? I need to be the leader of my wife as I am submitted to Christ. 
I can be the, the I can be the husband that Brenda could only, you know, would always dream of and try to go over there and try to make her into what makes me better. I can be better. I can change who God wants me to be. We need a vision to break off wrong relationships. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what to do right what do righteous and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. God is not trying to tell us not to work with people that don't love Jesus. God is saying, look, your most intimate secrets your most spaces of love and hope and your desirings of what really is a treasure. If you can't share who Jesus is to your best friend, you might want to change who your best friend is. Because my best friend is my wife and I want to talk about Christ. And my, you know what? If there's any conversations I want to have, whether it's in my boat business, whether it is with my staff, or whether it's something going on with my children or my grandchildren, I am always going to bring Christ in the center of it. And I'm looking for that. And you know what? There are places, there are relationships around me where all of a sudden, Ugh! you can have that where all of a sudden there's that hesitancy. You, just, you know what? Because that just not, that's not where they walk. Now, I don't dislike them. I don't avoid them. I'm just not really intimate with them. I'm not yoked with them. Why? Because the ones I want to be yoked with are ones that are listening to God as much as I'm listening to God. And they're going to tell me, hey, this is what God's saying, Pastor Ron. And then I'm going to go, well, this is what God's saying, Bill. Be unequally yoked is, is the Greek word is heterozugio, hetero which means the joining of different sorts, an altered balance. Nobody would want to be altered balance. Nobody wants to have a two-headed monster. But when you're yoked with people that are in the faith and out of the faith, when I mean yoke, which means those are your most intimate relationships, you can't talk about Christ. There's going to be a frustration that you shouldn't encounter. Get a vision for those that are closest to you that love, love Jesus. Wrong relationships unequally yoked will bring deception. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And then D, deception here in this passage could be understood as going astray, to deceive, to err, to deduce, to wander, to be out of the way, which means you've lost your path. Number six, in closing, def vision defines whether the relationship will have unity. Are they based on the word of God? If you're courting somebody, if you're in this house right now and you're courting somebody, are you talking about God's word? Are you able to share God's word? Are, or is that person not here today because they don't want to be in church today? Look, I'm not here going to tell you what to do. All I'm gonna do is lead you what the word of God says. And the word of God says, do not be unequally yoked. Do not be unequally yoked. Your relationship should be first and foremost God's word. 
B, are they based on the importance of prayer? And so I'm not here to judge. I, mean, I know that I hurt my wife in prayer time. And I've shared this with many times. My wife felt very insecure when we first got married. Um, she felt like she wasn't a, a person that could really pray um, authoritatively and, and pray with uh, uh, just, she thought she was ignorant in that space and she was very intimidated and insecure about it. And I remember going for a walk with her. I said, honey, why don't you pray in front of me? She goes, well, I just don't feel like I can do it right. I go, what? And then I realized that was how I made her feel. It wasn't any word I said. I never, I never, I never said, you don't do it right. But it was a, a space where I just wasn't inviting her in. You know, and I think that prayer can be so, in fact, I, I'm in front of marriages all the time where they don't pray together. It is, I mean, other than sex, it's awesome. Prayer, they are, both of them together make the relationship. In fact, the only space where it talks about where you are one with your spouse is through physical intimacy and prayer. There is something spiritually that goes on. And so Satan knows that. So he's trying to wreck it through all kinds of affairs. And he's trying to wreck it so that people, people that are married together don't pray together. People are always working different shifts. They're just trying to, you know, just get life together and they don't have a definition of being together. So they're not together. They don't pray together. And the next thing you know, their life is separating. That's because you didn't have a vision. Look, we need to pray together. We need to be together. Are they based on serving God and one another? Are they based on physical or spiritual? Last scripture, John 2, 24. But Jesus didn't entrust his life to them. He knew them inside and out. He knew how untrustworthy they were. He didn't need any help in seeing right through them. These are the same people in John, his disciples. And later on, Jesus entrusted everything to them. So, you know, in a message like today, we could become very judgmental. We could look at it and be definitive and go, yeah, I'm, they're unequally yoked and I'm writing them off. And, or we could go and just say, well, they're not, you know, they don't want to pray or they're not people in the word. That's, this is something to share with you. Jesus walked with his disciples and he shared the word of God. He wasn't yoked with them in the beginning. He wasn't. But God shaped their lives by the importance of prayer and the word of God. So if you get anything out of this message, take time to read the word of God together. Take time to pray with one another again. And then begin to write the vision down and watch God shape that relationship. I've said this before, and I, if I could do anything, if I could do life over, I don't want to do life over, <laughs> but if I could, I would have prayed with my kids more. I showed them and instructed them in truth, probably even harshly, not wantingly, but I did. But if I could have sat down and bend the truth with them, and if I would be honest with you, the reason I didn't do it is because I was insecure. I knew my fallacies. I knew my weaknesses. I knew that, you know, what right could I stand in front of my kids when, when I, you know, when maybe I looked at Brenda wrong or, or maybe I had a harsh word or, or maybe there was those spaces of time where, you know, where um, 
Um, I said things underneath my breath or I was, you know, maybe even expressive of not being like Christ or just, just not live in it, but look like a fake in it. And that just, the guilt would weigh on me. It's every day I just wake up and that guilt would just be there. I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't wake up, hey, where are you, guilt? I'm, I don't recognize you. I kind of want to, you know, like a cup of coffee. Let's, you know, let's walk together. But it would always chase me. It still does. And so it kept me from doing what I was supposed to do. And that was praying. God didn't ask me to pray because I'm perfect. God asked me to pray because I'm not perfect. And so if I can encourage you, get through that awkward space with your kid. Bend your, bend your knee, sit down and pray. And not only that, but yeah, there's gonna be that space where you do all the praying and they can't wait for you to say amen. That's okay. But then, you know, maybe a couple weeks down as they begin to trust that you're not changing, this is the vision of who you are, then say, would you please, honey, would you please pray? Well, why would I pray? You, you know what? Because I want you to pray because your heart and my heart unite. Prayer unites us. And you know what? You have God's working inside of you. You need to speak what you believe. I need to hear what you believe. And let's shape our faith together in Christ. That's what prayer does. God gave us prayer, not so that he could just only one hear it, so that we could hear it. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for vision. God, I ask that you'd forgive all of us for those space. Lord, we, the vision is, is perfection. It's, it's you. And Lord, we fall so short, so quickly, God. But I'm so grateful, God, that grace makes up the difference. Lord, I pray grace and mercy on your family right now. God, on every one of these relationships, with their kids, with their spouses, with their friends, with their coworkers, God. God, I pray for the space of, Lord, just humility inside of them that more grace would even come. And God, they've had those places where they're broke because they realize that, Lord, you have so much, so much for them and so much for that relationship. And you're just looking for that space, that time, that, that's that space where environment of prayer or that space of devotion. God, may we not make decisions based on our past because all of us, God, have it and we've made many mistakes and sinned in it. But God, I thank you the God of the future and hope. Give us eyes of understanding to see the future and the hope. Forgetting those things which are behind us, striving forward, God, for the things that you show us in front of us. You're a revelatory God. Lord, and we need your revelation. We seek your revelation for relationship. We seek vision inside of these relationships. Lord, I pray mentors. I pray, Lord, that there will be those, Father, around us that, Lord, right relationships would take formation. God, I pray a breaking of wrong relationships and lives today. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're unsure of where you're going to spend eternity, God is knocking on your heart. Or maybe you've drifted away in a space of time where you've you began, your vision began to be self 
and in doing things that you thought were important and all of a sudden Jesus got on the back burner and today Christ is again knocking on your heart. Either, where, either one of those situations, we're gonna pray a prayer, all of us together. And this prayer can be personal. Heaven can take note of the space of your commitment and your surrender. Pray this prayer with me, would you please? Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life. I receive your forgiveness. I accept that I am a sinner that needs Jesus. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up, let's worship our Jesus together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.